or brparley at gmail.com. Hi, this is Rich Hilsinger, your host for Tuesdays on the Wing. I think we would all agree that music and rhythm can find their way into the secret places of the soul. No matter whether you are young or old, healthy or sick, happy or sad, music can improve the quality of your life in numerous ways. It reduces stress and anxiety, lifts your mood, boosts your health, helps you sleep better, takes away your pain, even helps you get going through life. I invite you to join myself and good friends and fellow hosts, Elaine, Joel, Melisinda, and Mark for On the Wing, each day, Monday through Friday, from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. for three hours of great music, right here at WERU-FM Community Radio, 89.9 Blue Hill, 99.9 Bangor, and streaming online at WERU.org. Boat Talk is brought to you in part by Captain Yo's Flaming Fish Performance Models, handmade miniature wooden sailing vessels, on the web at flamingfish.net, little ships for big kids. Support for Boat Talk also comes from Front Street Shipyard, a Midcoast, Maine boat building, repair, and storage facility located in Belfast. Front Street Shipyard on Penobscot Bay, offering dockage, service, and amenities for owners, captains, and crew. Online at frontstreetshipyard.com or 930-3740. A few seconds past 10 o'clock. Stay tuned for Boat Talk. Good morning. It's the uh, second Tuesday of the month here at Community Radio, and that brings around Boat Talk. Mike Joyce here this morning. My friend Alan Sprague is not with us. He is snowed in in New Jersey, which is not a fate I'd wish on most people, but Alan's pretty snug this morning with friends, I guess. I think it's going to be all right for him. We do miss him, though. Alan Sprague, among other things, I was just telling our guest here this morning, uh, Captain Mike Johnson, is a uh, is a great partner because um, as far as partnership goes, uh, we don't just split things right down the middle. He does this, I do that. Uh, he is more into the computer things, takes care of stuff I don't uh, uh, not good at, don't care much about. Uh, but the big thing is Alan always starts the program, and Alan is undoubtedly known here on the boat talk uh, as the punny one but it's gonna be all right because uh, here's what we're thinking this morning while everybody is worried about snow today we will be chasing sunbeams we have the captain of the motor vessel sunbeam in here this morning uh, captain mike johnson the main coast sea mission and we'll be talking with them this morning about uh Oh, the ins and outs of uh, uh, the Maine Coast Sea Mission is over 100 years old, and uh, they provide a bunch of valuable services up and down the coast of Maine. But a couple other things to talk about this morning, and uh, say good morning, Mike. Hey, good morning. Thank you for having me on the show. Yeah, uh, very happy to. And and, uh, Mike's pretty game this morning. I've told him he's as much co-host as as, a guest this morning. And we have a pile of uh, news articles we want to want. wind our way through this morning. 
we got snowed out last month on Boat Talk, and darn near did this time, but apparently we were able to squeak her in. So we've got some stuff left over from last month and um, some stuff, uh, you know, as new as from this morning's newspaper. I would like to say this to get started, though. The uh, global warming is a uh, matter of some interest, you know. And the other day, the uh, secretary of the Environmental Protection Agency poo-pooed the idea of carbon dioxide uh, having to do anything with it, and he can think that if he wants to. But uh, most of the scientists on the planet are pretty sure about what's going on, and some other people have... Uh, disputed that. Now, uh, I think it's a great example of the power of throwing mud and crap at a subject and the power of overcoming all them scientists and planting doubt, let alone uh, downright uh, dismissal in people's mind is, is dangerous. It's dangerous. And I heard it on the radio yesterday, and I expect you could hear it on the talk radio if you listen to it today. Uh, somebody will at some point say, how's, how's this global warming working out for you today? You know, it's snowing in March. Well, it's still winter till next week. Um, and the fact is that when there's more heat and therefore more moisture in the atmosphere, there is more energy and more dynamic weather is a symptom. It's not to be uh, poo-pooed, it's, it's what's happening. And the frogs being boiled gradually don't always know that the water's uh, getting warmer and is going to overcome them, but, you know, uh, I've been going to sea for 30 years. I see a difference going up and down the east coast of America. Um, how long you been out there, Mike? Oh, I've been on the water in some form since I was pretty young and had a few lobster traps. So, oh, probably since the, the mid-'70s, I've been out and about and doing something as simple as as getting lost in a skiff in the fog to now I have a little more important role, but been around a while now. Um, I travel, uh, deliver boats up and down the East Coast, and um, I've noticed the uh, uh, change uh, to the southern of us here especially. Uh, used to absolutely despise Buzzards Bay for several reasons. Besides, it's always choppy and shallow and crowded. But uh, 30 years ago, it was also kind of dirty and full of fishing gear. Um, there was more uh, fishing buoys there and uh, uh, fishing in the channel. Of course, you got to fish in the channel, and, and uh, they're all gone. It's not a problem to navigate down there anymore. You'll find the odd uh, lobster buoy in Rhode Island Sound and Cape Cod Bay, but uh, to the southern of here, they're gone, and uh, they ain't coming back. Now, we will talk in a little bit about uh, Maine Landings here. Uh, they have just uh, maybe peaked, you know, good times here right now. But the global warming, I'd be careful if I poo-poo it. Uh, flat earthers don't look so good in the history books, you know. On the other hand, Alan Sprague has made a wonderful bumper sticker. I've got it on my truck. It says, make earth flat again. <laughs> That's got possibilities, doesn't it? You know, and uh, whether or not we can make the earth flat, we could just declare that it is. So there. And everybody will go along with that. So that's what we're thinking this morning about the global warming. Um, I got to say this, too. Um, this is from uh, this current uh, January-February issue of Wooden Boat Magazine with the uh, hydroplane racing uh, boat on it. And uh, the story that got me was called Winter Cruising in Maine. And I checked that out. It is, uh, oh, uh 
let's see here. I marked it so I wouldn't do this. Uh, Fleckeroy's Voyage, connecting continents with a vintage pilot cutter. And here's the story. Uh, first of February or so, I broke a rib. And I have been in quite a bit of pain, and I have been just about useless. I am still fairly useless. And uh, it takes, I'm told, a month and a half to three months to heal a broken rib. You're supposed to just rest it, not do too much. It's incredibly painful. Uh, you can't bend and twist. Uh, it's very hard to uh, lay in bed and get up and uh, let alone do a bunch of other stuff. Now, Fleckeroy is a um, old uh, wooden uh, gaff cutter, uh, Colin Archer gaff cutter, and this boat is uh, rigged with uh, lines that you have to pull on to get them tight. Okay, it's not wire rigging, it's rope rigging. I don't know uh, about the winches on the boat, but this is a pretty hand-powered uh, uh, boat. The couple, it was a, a couple that sailed it over, uh, and the lady's name is Clara. They were on their way from uh, Denmark to uh, Greenland a fall ago, and on the way to Greenland, they got in a pretty big gale. Clara broke three of her ribs. Wow. That was established by the hospital in Greenland. They stayed in Greenland, filled up their uh, food locker, and then headed over to Labrador. This is in December. And how Clara was able to do that when I can barely make a cup of tea, they went to the coast of Labrador, came down the coast of Nova Scotia, landed at Wooden Boat Magazine two days after Christmas. I think this was the winter before this one. And uh, stayed in Benjamin River, then went off to uh, Vineyard Haven for the rest of the winter. And how she was able to double hand that vintage gaff cutter with three broken ribs. She is my hero. Every time I make a cup of tea, I go, Clara, <laughs> you know? And uh, excellent, excellent uh, story, too, from several points of view. Uh, Fleckeroy's voyage in the uh, previous current Wooden Boat magazine. So uh, what else we got here? We got a whole pile of stuff. Uh, this one comes to the top of the... Uh, Pile pretty easy comes from the uh, Bangor Daily News last weekend. Coast Guard sites in Maine could face cuts under Trump. And from the Bangor Daily News, it says the Washington Post is reporting on Tuesday Donald Trump's draft budget includes a 14% cut, about $1.3 billion in the current U.S. Coast Guard budget. And uh, there are more cuts in the uh, TSA and uh, Federal Emergency Management Agency. Among other things, the increase, uh, no, we'll skip that one. Um, 551 uh, Coast Guard personnel are in the state of Maine, and they have facilities in South Portland, Booth Bay, Rockland, Belfast, Southwest Harbor, Jonesport, and Eastport, Maine. The uh, Coasties especially... Um, it points out here, in a station like Rockland, which is outfitted with about 70 staff and six boats, three of which are cutters designed to break up ice on the water, the budget cut of what Trump is proposing would have noticeable impacts. The uh, Coast Guard infrastructure is already aging, insufficient, and underfunded at present, they say. The uh, Coast Guard budget has suffered steady decline since 2010, which has resulted in ne negative impacts to Coast Guard missions infrastructure, delays and necessary recapitalization, and generally constrained Coast Guard efforts. We like the Coast Guard, don't we, Captain? Yes, and I, I'd be 
first to point out as a representative of the Maine Seacoast Mission, I have to neutrality is a is a big part of our our working life. So I I don't I don't talk out on the boat and in general as a representative of the mission. I don't talk a lot about politics in general, but I it is fair to say that I am upset about the Coast Guard, the proposed Coast Guard cuts. That if we're out on the way from Isla Ho to Matinicus in the middle of February and it's zero degrees and things are breezing up, I know that they have my back. I have so much respect for the men and the women in the Coast Guard that I can call, we can call on the radio or the cell phone, and there's probably going to be someone there pretty pretty fast to help us out. So I, I think for it's safe to say that fishermen, ferry operators, commercial, any commercial boats, pleasure boats are heavily reliant on the Coast Guard. And I, I would hate to see any, anything jeopardize that support that we get from them. I've always found them to be incredibly uh, proficient and professional, despite the fact that when you talk to them, a lot of them are from Arizona and never seen the ocean before. A lot of the crew members and stuff I uh, find kind of curious. Now, the phone is rung, and uh, we do accept phone calls about any time here on Boat Talk. We ain't so self-important. We're not uh, uh, restricting the phone at all. one 625 9378 if you'd like to con. Uh, Comment on anything this morning. Hello, who's there? Good morning. This is Yo in Tremont. Oh, Yo, about right on time, buddy. What do you think? I have a question about global warming. They say with global warming that the glaciers and the ice caps are melting and sea levels rising, and that there are coastal areas around the world that are becoming flooded. Now, I hadn't particularly noticed that here on the coast of Maine in my 60 years, and I wondered if you mariners of long experience have noticed that the sea is rising higher than it did when we were knee-high to a jib bat. Thank you for putting on this program, and thank you to everyone for supporting Community Radio. Thanks, Yo. Uh, Yo was often the first caller, and... Um I would uh, uh, point first, without much controversy, to uh, storm surges. Um, How about the United States uh, Naval Base in Norfolk, Virginia, built largely on filled marsh with very low piers that are uh, obsolete and fallen and built before World War II and during World War II. Um, During some high-tide situation, I believe uh, the figure, uh, I'm confident, I think, of 40%, but it could be more. 40% of the Norfolk Naval Base in some uh, tide situations is non-functional nowadays. That's just going to continue. They're uh, making plans to build a wall around New York City. That's such valuable real estate, you can't walk away from it. But let's think about this. If you build a wall around New York and the water comes up against it and doesn't come into New York, where does it go? Brooklyn, New Jersey, you got to build a wall around them places too. How's that going to work out? It's very expensive. But again, you can't walk away from that. Um, scientific consensus, I say, Yo's a uh, skeptic in a number of different areas. I think I can safely uh, say that. And uh, uh, like I say, I'm, I'm a good degree in biology. I stand, I stand with scientists and, and historians myself. So, um, But is it uh, higher at your house? Well, I ain't quite sure, uh, but during the storms, I know it is for a fact. I think one thing that I've noticed in just a general weather observation is that the 
the composition of the fall storms has changed. That's the, the thing I've noticed in, I guess I've had somewhere around 40 years now, that the in November that there'll be the standard warm southerly rainstorms that, that come up in their, their east, sometimes northeast wind directions. But these warm, these mild weather patterns are, have gone deeper into December, and then now we're getting very often in the beginning of January, we're getting a very warm weather event and it's to the mid January before winter often sets in. So it's like the November storms have just, it it creeped out to encapsulate more months of the year. I'm not sure if it's attributable to to global warming, but it is a change that, that I've definitely seen. And this, this winter was probably one of the worst with those extremely powerful storms. Everybody likes a warm, uh, a naturally warm day in the middle of the wintertime, but if the critters get fooled and they come out and do things off off time and then get froze to death, it's, again, uh, uh, things are changing faster than, than we can, let alone uh, uh, evolution will uh, account for. Phone's ringing again. I understand. I'm uh, not paying enough attention to our engineer. i got to thank Joel this morning in the engine room. Is uh, somebody there this morning? Good morning. Welcome to Boat Talk. Hi, it's you again. Guys, I'm not talking about the weather. I'm talking about sea level. If they're saying the Maldives are underwater, well, well, why isn't Greening Island half underwater? I mean, isn't sea level sea level? And if, and if you put a bunch of piers into marshy ground and they flood, well, are they being flooded or are they sinking? That's my point. Where is sea level today as compared to in the 60s thanks again i don't know that i can qualitatively answer that but i can tell you a piece of ice uh believe it was rumored to be the size of connecticut uh broke off of antarctica last week and it's just not a good thing and uh there was a cruise ship in bar harbor this summer that had gone through the northwest northwest passage they interviewed an english fellow that said they had a hard time finding ice to take pictures of in, in some locations and again i can't give you figures on whether the uh tide is creeping up uh, greening island or not compared to the 60s but uh, again um, i'm voting for the uh i'm voting for the science of the global warming and somebody else apparently is on the Phone this morning, too. Once again, the number here this morning, you want to join the discussion, 1-866-625-9378. Good morning. Welcome to Boat Talk. Good morning. Hello. Hi. Who are we speaking with? Uh, you see, he was Judith over in Rockland. What are you thinking, Judith? Well, um, hello to Yo. He used to live over this way, and he just turned Tenant Carver, and uh, thanks for all you're doing. Uh, I have been as sort of citizen scientist for 10 years, uh, interested and concerned with global warming, climate change. And this is something I think is very important to understand. That as it it really, this is a very important image. We all know what a glass of water full of ice is like. Okay. That ice, well, actually put yourself at a cocktail party and make it a rum punch. As the ice melts, you drink, it down, you drink it down a little bit. It's cool. It stays cool until the last cube melts completely. And then, as water warms, it expands. So you actually appear to have more liquid in the glass than before. 
This is what we're facing as, and I'm quoting Sir Peter Wadham, uh, the, um, uh, he's now retired. I think he was uh, pushed out of Cambridge University, their polo program, that <clears throat> as the ice melts, the Greenland ice sheet is the big one. We're only, here in Maine, we're only 1,500 miles from Nunavik, Greenland. We'll hit that point when the Arctic is ice-free, where there's nothing but blue water and the albedo effect, the reflective effect of, of ice and snow sending the, the heat back into the atmosphere. We'll hit that point where suddenly sea level rise increases and the ocean warms and the it's a very big tipping point. We're almost there. And <laughs> I'm very concerned because I'm, I'm a new harbor commissioner in Rockland and Rockland doesn't have a plan to deal with this. And we can see that on the, the big tides, the, um, you know, the so-called king tides now, the breakwater goes underwater quite regularly. <laughs> and given that the ocean is very uneven, it's not the same levels consistently across the globe at all. It's got hollows and, and ridges and mountains in it, just as the land does. But given those <clears throat> realities, the uh, Gulf of Maine Research Institute has said, one of their scientists said, I think, within the last year, that the average sea level rise along our coast is about six inches. That doesn't seem like much. But some years ago, <clears throat> when I lived in Brooksville and, and uh, spent a day as a guest teacher at the Liberty School, the Liberty School students, the school doesn't exist anymore, I think, but they... They um, decided on their own to make a great big mural on, I think it was butcher paper, showing what would happen with one meter, you know, that's a little bit more than three feet of sea level rise on the Blue Hill Peninsula. It's shocking. You lose a lot of land. So it's, it's coming, unfortunately, it's coming very fast. Peter Ralston, <clears throat> the great photographer who was, on a, an Arctic voyage last year and photographed an awful lot of bare land, if you look at Peter's photos, he's got a gallery in Rockport, you'll see a lot of bare land. And this is unfortunate because the Earth's air conditioners are the poles. We lose the air conditioning, it's going to get really hot really fast. So, sorry guys, but <laughs> everyone loves the Caribbean, the warm water, and you know we'll, we may find some sweet spots in it. Let's hope so. Judah, thank you this morning. All right. Hi to you, and thanks to, thanks to you guys. Yeah. Bye. Once again, uh, pointing out the value of science there. We are doing boat talk this morning. Once again, uh, you want to give us a call, one 625 9378 From the uh, Ellsworth American Maine Marine Landings, topped $700 million last year. And uh, the Maine lobster fishery has peaked yet again. 131 million pounds, which is worth $533 million. That is uh, an increase for uh, yet another year. The uh, What else is going on in the um, uh, seafood industry? The soft-shell clam dropped from second to third. Uh, there are uh, less, 13% less, uh, uh, that's the price per pound went down as well as 20% decline in landings. Eels turned out to be the most lucrative fishery per pound 
The price of eels averaged fourteen hundred dollars, Mike. That is impressive. Every every winter when they're when they're elver fishing, I, it's just astounding that the the profit that can be made from from that fishery. And then I also find it fascinating that they just send the baby eels over to Asia to to farm raise them into into full size. So that's it's an impressive. That's right. They don't want the little ones. No. They want to eat the big they ones. They want to and, make them big. That's an aquaculture uh, using our stock is is what they're doing basically. Eels. Um, we had a, a quota of ninety eight hundred pounds. We uh, caught ninety four hundred pounds of that, and uh, it was an increase of more than two million dollars from last year. Um, that is the. Uh, Pretty healthy doings. Maine is the only place uh, in America that you're able to uh, land baby eels. Uh, the largest single increase in value was the lobster fishery, uh, and this marked the the first time ever that we've landed more than 130 million pounds. But the last five years have been records of over 120 million pounds. We go right back to the subject of global warming again, and we say. Um, what they said at the Rocklands Fisherman Forum, which was uh, just held last month. And what they are thinking was that this is a hell of a graph, and can it keep going up? Probably not. Um, it could be that we're looking at peak right now. Um, it's not a bad thing. It, they say that uh, they doubt it will crash, but these increases are, are uh, probably not sustainable. On the other hand, brings us to the next subject, which is uh, boat building. And uh, the boat building industry is booming, and partly uh, because we are building as many new, big, fat, wide lobster boats as we can. Length has always been the thing, but now it's wide, and they're stretching. They always stretch them long, and uh, now wider is better. And literally, if you can get another row of traps on your boat, you have a big advantage. And one thing they're pointing out is the customers are not necessarily establish older lobstermen, the young fellas who are killing it and want a, a nice big boat while it's happening, and uh, good for them. From the Ellsworth American, they point out that uh, the uh, editorial is called Maine's Hidden Gem. Maine's coast is covered with vibrant boatyards. Many have lengthy backlogs, uh, orders for new boats up to two years at several local yards. While refits and upgrades at many... Um, Existing boats as well up and down the coast are adding huge dollars to local payrolls and community tax payments. And we aren't even looking at all of the ancillary support vendors and their jobs. Throwing a healthy workforce at Bath Ironworks in Maine is once again a key player in all aspects of shipbuilding. They also point out that this revival is organic. There have been no massive tax subsidies, no incentive programs, and certainly no infusions of training and employment and, and uh, initiatives. Most yards are embracing the latest technology and construction and electronics, the old-fashioned way they do it themselves. It's pretty easy to be impressed with the variety of quality boats that the Coast of Maine puts out, from from the sailboats and, and pleasure boats to the Washburn and Dowdy with their, with their tugboats that are 50 feet in the air. It's just... It's easy to be proud when you're out on the water to see that it's just a such a testament to the craftsmanship that of the of the builders and the yards. The same uh, editorial points out that when the luxury tax came out in uh, 1991, I was at the Hinkley Company. I remember that quite well. Um, 
Luxury boat sales plummeted 77% that year, and uh, over 20,000 direct boat builder jobs have been lost, it says. So, you know, mess with that at your peril. And related again from uh, today's paper, the business section of the Bangor Daily News, the future of Portsmouth Naval Shipyard, which, of course, is in Kittery, Maine, is bright with five submarines currently at the yard, all three dry docks in use for the foreseeable future, and 350 additional employees expected to be hired this year, adding to a shipyard workforce of 5,400 people. Wow, I didn't realize that that many people... What is the status of, of that? There was some dispute about whose state that was in. How did that ever? I'm come? born and raised in Maine. I'm yeah. pretty sure it's in Kittery. That's what I. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, the end of that discussion. But uh, no, I'm, I think the evidence is it's uh, called the Portsmouth Naval Shipyard, but it's based in Kittery, in Maine. Maine. So, yeah. Uh, and where does Down East start? We could argue. Uh, right. <laughs> we could argue lots of quibbles here on the coast. Joel tells me the phone's ringing again, one 625 9378 We haven't got to our main conversation with Captain Michael Johnson yet, but we'll get to it. And uh, who's on the phone this morning? Good morning. Welcome to Boat Talk. Hello. Would that be me? Yeah. What are you thinking? Hi. Well, uh, discussion about global warming. Uh, I'm going to kind of curtail uh, my comments about global warming, I, I happen to feel that it's good to talk about the here and now. Um, and I think the fact that, you know, on a, on a federal level, there's a, a real move to try to destroy the discussion of climate change. Um, my personal uh, thought is that uh, people should pay more attention the coast of Maine, uh, because it has a vast geologic plain that um, has been underwater in the past and will be again. Um, and when we think about geologic time, we think about it being a long way out. In fact, when it changes, when we have our global warming, very soon on the heels of it, we have an ice age. And my point is this. If the, if the water is on the move, then there's no better place to study that than on the coast of Maine. Uh, because that coastline is moving inland. And when it does, people are going to have to know how to live at the edge of the ocean. Now, that doesn't have any effect on you know fishermen today, except that all the fish that, uh, like, for instance, the lobsters, are juveniles. And they're being they're being supported by the lobster in- industry itself by being fed and then tossed back. But when that industry collapses, none of us are going to have any idea how to fish anymore. And as the oceans become freshwater and more carbonized, and there is no phytoplankton level to support the industry. So those are some general comments. Take them where you want. You know, we, you know, uh, it turns out that when nature changes, it changes very quickly, not slowly, quickly. And none of us are really looking at that. We're looking at the global warming. We're looking at the moving of the sea. We're looking at the possibility that at some point the seas will be 300 feet deeper. And we don't even understand how that works. If the Arctic Arctic is largely melted, then where is that water coming from? 
those are big questions, and uh, there's no better place to answer them than right on the coast of Maine. Well said. So those uh, are my comments. Well, well put. Where are you calling from this morning? I'm actually calling from Richmond, Vermont, but I have a place in Maine. That that's my purpose to to study these kinds of questions. Nice. I like to. Um, I have a standing boat joke. Uh, good things happen slowly on boats. Bad things happen fast. You were talking about <laughs> slow change and fast change. And, you know, jet uh, pilots. Say again. Jet, I said jet pilots are the ones who love sailing the most because they're used to things uh, that happen on many planes at once. And uh, th- th- that's not a pun, but like on many uh, dimensions at once. But it all unfolds slowly compared to flying a, uh, a brick with wings. Yeah, good point. Uh, other joke I like to made, make is the world is mostly water and there's more coming. It's good to be boat people. Yeah, yeah. well, Noah thought so. Yep. Like I said, thanks for calling this morning from Vermont. Yeah, good luck. Appreciate it. Hey, we're doing boat talk this morning. Mike Joyce uh, sitting in without my partner, Alan Sprague, who's snowed in in a jersey, speaking of the global uh, cooling there. And um, we have Captain Michael Johnson from the Maine Coast Sea Mission, uh, Captain of the Sunbeam here. We'll talk to him in a minute. We also have stuff about uh, wind turbines off of uh, Monhegan. Might not get to that. You know the white stuff when you boil a lobster? That's called hemolymph, uh, and that is apparently a very valuable um, pharmaceutical component that we could start utilizing. There's a story on uh, lobster blood here. And uh, the Marine Patrol is seeking permission to bug commercial fishing, fishing boats without a uh, warrant because it's a regulated fishery. They may not have to obey the uh, Fourth Amendment there, but... We're going to skip those for the time being. And once again, uh, good morning, Captain Michael Johnson. Oh, thanks again for having me aboard. Yeah. Now, let's uh, start with you instead of the Maine Coast Sea Mission. Uh, what happened to you when you was young? You grew up a boat person? Well, my, my father had kind of a two-part maritime career. He spent the first half of his of his life on on sailboats, he was a offshore yacht captain and traveled all over the world. and And he had he had a, a pretty good gig going. And then about when I was in early high school, he I don't know if he felt he was traveling too much or he just wanted a change. But he started a small marine contracting business. So I had a little time with him on the on the pleasure boats, and I had a little time with him on the on the commercial end of things, doing mooring work and dock work and. I probably had got more experience from the, the the sailing was a more flashy existence, but the I think I actually picked up more practical knowledge, just yanking on mooring chain and splicing rope, and, and I certainly appreciate his input. Pretty good background. You might not have had much of a choice growing up, strictly <laughs> <No>. speaking. <laughs> good thing. Now, um, how long you been a uh, uh, registered uh, uh, master captain? Uh, I did that pretty much on my own. I was back in, I was a harbor master for five years when I got out of college. And during that time, I figured it would be advantageous. So I studied on my own and went to Boston and took the, I was too cheap to take the class. So I studied from the, from the online course. So I've been a captain for, I guess, since 90, 94. And what kind of, yeah, harbor master. And what'd you do besides the, uh, when you got to the Maine Coast Sea Mission? 
So I started with the Macy Coast Mission as engineer on the Sunbeam back in 2001. So Captain David Allen had been on board for probably a long time. He'd been there, I think, 35 years yeah. total. And so I worked with him for six years. He retired, and I couldn't really resist the chance to take the helm. So I've been there for 10 now. Nice, nice way to come up. Um, tell us about the Maine Coast Sea Mission. It's uh, over 100 years old. It was founded in 1905 by two brothers who were pastors in Bar Harbor, and they started with a friendship sloop. And I'm glad I didn't call that hope. job. It was called, called Hope. hope. Good and I'm name, glad yeah. I didn't sail it. That would have been a tough tough one so they've it's been around a long time and it's basically done the same thing ever since it was founded but they've added a component in washington county an after school program and a food pantry and housing repair down in washington county and we've added a medical component to the sunbeam so we're trying to stay relevant in in a changing world and we have a video conferencing unit where the nurse can hook up to a doctor on, on three of the islands we service, on Frenchboro, Ilaho, and Matinicus. And we can hook up to any a primary care doctor, a specialist, or behavioral health is a big use now. So it's, that's a, a, an important part of what we do now. Health care, that ain't in the news at all now either. No. <laughs> <laughs> and it, lit- it literally is all connected. Now, the, the mission of the Maine Coast uh, 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 Sea Mission there was originally uh we'll say evangelical but not their idea was not to proselytize just to circulate it's non-denominational and and that component of the of the mission is is i'm not as familiar as i am with the general operation but it it's non-denominational and it's it, it's a, a, a subtle presence we do still do christmas and easter service on the boat and occasional uh, prayer breakfast for people that are interested but we also everybody's welcome on the boat it regardless of of religion any any aspect any person is welcome on the boat and we we just we're there to help out on the islands there's in general i would say uh we'll say three kinds of uh inhabited islands on the in the state of maine one is i own the island myself and uh you know uh, that's that the second is there's lots of us on the island, and we're serviced by a main state ferry, uh, North Haven, Vinyl Haven, the the uh, uh, Casco Bay Islands. But we have other islands that are inhabited, Isle of Ho, uh, Isles, Islesford, uh, Islesboro. Uh, they're inhabited with no main state ferry. Uh, Islesboro, is, is, of course, has ferry, but uh, a lot of the main islands uh, do not have main state ferry service. Yeah, we generally service the the outer inhabited islands. The, as I mentioned, Frenchboro, Ilaho, Matinicus are our are our primary stops. But we also do Monhegan, and it's fun to note that Eagle Island off of of Deer Isle has a year round population of two. We <laughs> love Eagle Island. We we go there and visit with the Quins, and and uh, Mr. Quinn likes ice cream and can't keep ice cream in his in his freezer at his house so he comes out and eats a, a fairly substantial portion when he comes aboard we have a volunteer named louise here who regularly fills our our kitchen freezer with ice cream treats okay like a dozen different boxes of ice cream treats and i am well known to stand in front of the freezer myself and just <laughs> inhale as many as possible. i i got the guy oh eagle island i'm a next time i pass by i'm gonna think about him so anyway 
Um, we do this year round as well. It's winter time right now. The boat's not laid up. You're it's your busy season, I guess. I, I'd like some to, ways. I'd like to think we make more of a difference in the winter. Yeah, the things are, are are somewhat more difficult to travel on and off the islands, and we bring. We're like a, fl- a floating coffee shop. We we bring good cheer and conversation and a, and just a neutral environment for people to visit and and express their concerns. And it, it organically develops into if a person needs to see the nurse or a person needs to see the the chaplain on the boat for for personal reasons. They it just naturally evolves into into a more serious discussion or it stays casual and games of cribbage and coffee it, it's a i think we're we're there to support and to bring a little just bring something different in a in a quiet time of year the healthcare outreach mission uh again uh i'm guessing there's a fair bit of demand for that on islands that are not served by a regular ferry that is single-handedly changed the the composition of of our service we started the telemedicine program in 2001 and it just it brought a whole nother sense of purpose to the boat, and it is very well utilized, both with the technology in the clinic and Sharon Daly, who lives on Islesboro, by the way. She does old-fashioned home visits, just like we did back in the 20s and 30s. So between the home visits and the, the ability to, to see a doctor over the telehealth equipment, it's pretty comprehensive health care, and I think we... I think we serve a, a quite a quite a demand out there. You don't ask people to provide insurance coverage when you invite them on the boat, and they're not charged for that directly, are they? Until they engage, I'm guessing, professional services. Right. The service, the the availability of the boat is is no charge. The nurse is available, no charge, and the equipment is available, no charge. If they hook up to a primary care doctor, that the there's usually insurance information. The exchanged in those visits, but I'm also confident that if the need arises, that that the mission takes care of the any costs associated if if there's a demand for that. Have we done anything medically exciting near the boat? <laughs> well, I'd like to to sing the William. I'd, Tell. I'd like to think not. Hopefully, <laughs> I you know. I'd like to sing the William Tell overture. But we can't take anybody at a high rate of speed off the island. That we are asked that question a lot, and if someone needs to get ashore, that our nine knot boat is usually not the first choice. So it's it's life flight or a lobster boat. We're more of a of a of a support in long term long term care, preventative care, and follow up care. But anything acute needs to be needs to be someone a little faster than us. Yep. Uh, Captain Michael Johnson, we're talking to him. He's the captain of the Sunbeam this morning. We're doing boat talk. It's community radio. Only uh, works best when everybody participates. one 625 9378 if you want to join this discussion. Nine knots. Uh, sorry, we keep talking about the Sunbeam. A uh, big steel boat with a cross on it lives down in Northeast Harbor. Yeah, we have a new dock now, too. I don't know if anyone knows that. The commercial dock where we tied up in Northeast Harbor was has a high demand of for lobster fishermen that you spoke of with increased landings. And so we were tied up at the main pier since 1955 and we basically were getting in the way. So the town moved us to another very well-built dock over on the Morris yachts side of things. Yeah. And they did a, a just a bang up job with big steel piling and, and reinforced float. 
And so the, the town's been generous to us, and I, I can't thank them enough for giving us a home all these years. Sunbeam is a 75-foot boat. It's kind of high-sided. Um, it is, as you say, not a fast boat. makes uh, eight, nine knots. Other boats might make uh, something in the teens. Um, it's... Uh, 1991 vintage. It's, uh, what, uh, 20, 30 years old now? 95. 95, she was yeah. Um, and she's aging, and you guys got questions about uh, whether she's the boat for the future and stuff. Yeah, that's a that kind of hit a, a boiling point about two years ago. We decided that, that this boat either needs to be refurbished and put some money into reconditioning. The steel boats, they they lose their integrity from the inside out. So the exterior of the boat. Explain that for the folks. The, on a steel boat, if you maintain the, the exterior hull with, with proper coating, you'll never have any steel degradation. But deep in the bilges where you can't get to some areas of the hull are where you start to have deterioration on a steel boat. In fact, Sunbeam 4 failed from the inside out down underneath the stateroom floor it had some some very thin areas in the hull so we're making sure we we address any issues before they're uh, become critical so we either need to refurbish the boat fairly soon or we need to consider sunbeam six yeah and that's uh electrolysis galvanic corrosion uh rusting is would be the non-technical word for it Phone's been ringing, and uh, once again, it's one eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight. Welcome to Boat Talk. Who are we speaking with this morning? You were speaking with Alan. I Hi, heard. I know Alan. Hello, Alan. <laughs> Alan from New yeah, Jersey. Mike, Mike. Alan from New yeah. Jersey. What would be your comment this morning, sir? Um, I I would like to uh, promote the Seacoast Mission in the, that I went to the uh, open house to have every. I believe it's. Uh, either late November, early December, I guess Mike can set us straight on that. But uh, it's a great, great way to meet all the people at the uh, Seacoast Mission and talk with them with the stuff they do and uh, tour the the, the building, a nice old uh, cottage that they have in Bar Harbor, a three-story cottage. Um, But what impressed me was when walking around the building there, I went up on the third floor and uh, hold. It was full of uh, all-out rooms on top of the third floor, uh, just chock full of toys. And I thought that was pretty amazing and neat that they they buy, I assume, and distribute uh, all these toys to the, the, the kids on the islands. And uh, just be interested to have Mike talk a little bit about that and uh, talk about what, just exactly uh, how people can uh, go to that uh, open house. Alan, of course, is the co-host of Boat Talk and snowed in in New Jersey this morning, if you didn't quite guess that. So thanks, Alan. Oh, thanks. Thanks for calling in. The Christmas program I I neglected to mention is that the mission has been been delivering in in their classic wrapping of white wrapping paper with with red with red string tied in a bow. And that's been their their classic wrapping job since they first started delivering christmas presents back in the in the teens and 20s and we take every christmas we take a a garbage bag literally a garbage bag full of these of these christmas presents out to the outer islands to give to to the children on the islands and then again washington county is a big 
the, the mission's support of Washington County has been increasing. And I think a majority of the gifts now are, are actually going to Washington County to, to folks down there. And that's a, a, just a very big part of what we do. Washington County uh, being technically ashore in some ways, it's its own kind of American island. That's well put. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Phone's rung again, one 625 9378 Good morning. Welcome to Boat Talk. Who are we speaking with? Somebody there this morning? On the phone. I'm, I'm a question machine. Yeah. Yeah. Who are and you? Where, where are you calling from this morning, please? I'm calling from Rockland, Rockland All right. Harbor. All right. And the um, the fellow from Vermont who called in earlier uh, brought out something I think is really, really important, that sea level rise will happen very rapidly. Just as we know now from the work of people like Paul Maeski at the University of Maine Climate Change Institute, that <clears throat> uh, abrupt climate change can happen in as short a time as a couple of years. And we're in that zone for sure. So here's my thought, that the boat builders, and I, I was at the Fisherman's Forum for the whole weekend and talked to a lot of boat builders and all of these scientific institutions along our coast because Maine is the hub for ocean research on the East Coast that um, the more boats we build, the more people we train to use those boats, um, the more the, sun, the Sunbeam of the mission will have a great deal of work now as sea level rises and may rise um, very rapidly and in steps, not just some slow incremental rise. That's not the way it's going to happen. And uh, we're, we're, we're pretty protected from storm surge when we're up Penobscot Bay in a fairly protected harbor, such as Rothman. But remember, <laughs> storm surge, as sea level rises and the storms become bigger and more powerful, then we may find ourselves breached, the Rothman Breakwater, which has separated over, the, over time. If you walk out on it, you'll see that those giant blocks of granite have big spaces between them from just the wear and tear of ice and weather and so forth. And uh, I, I just so appreciate everybody who's in boat building and um, the new Ocean School, which will, I think, be open and underway in something like a year. And people who are also starting aquaculture projects because we are, you know, we're adaptable. Humans are supposedly the most adaptable species on the climate, well, second to the cockroach. And <clears throat> I think that if we focus on what we're good at, which is building boats, managing boats, uh, fishing from boats, and learning to fish the new invasive species as the lobsters move north, uh, that we can be better off. We actually are better off in many ways. As Paul Mayuski said on a, an NPR show not too long ago, the coast of Maine, particularly Penobscot Bay, is in a pretty good situation for this point in geologic time. And uh, I just want to raise the banner of, of hope and optimism here because we can, we can. I've heard that Shelley Pingree lies awake at night, worried about what sea level rise and acidification, the um, new species coming in and the old species leaving to go for colder water, will do to <clears throat> the fishing industry. But 
we can, we will. And isn't that the motto? Doesn't Dirigo, main state motto, which means I lead, imply that we will use all of our resources, all of our skills, all of our talents to lead. So um, I want to leave on that, that note of optimism. Sailors, boat builders, fishermen, unite. We can do this. Thanks. I appreciate that, Thank especially you. the note of optimism. But to quote Garth from Wayne's World, we fear change, and, and it's happening. And as you so uh, rightly point out, it may yet accelerate. Um, and to ignore it is is your own peril. So best of luck with that. Phone is, uh, I believe, rung again, one 625 9378 We're doing boat talk this morning. Love talking to people. Good morning. Who's there? I can hardly hear it. Good more sounds like Catherine from Appleton. It is, but I can hardly hear you, Mike. Um, we can hear you. You say your go ahead and say your okay, piece. Okay, okay. Well, it just seems that everybody always talks about what everybody's always talking about. It's so boring. Uh, Judith, um, since you seem to consider yourself a citizen scientist, you probably have looked into the methane that's being released in extraordinary amounts under our oceans, which could be causing the cracking of the icebergs. Um, may also remember that March 11th, 2011, uh, which was um, the earthquake and, uh, and uh, Fukushima and Daiichi event in Japan, which is uh, not being contained and never will be, what's that doing to our planet, our oceans, especially the Pacific Ocean? Um, that's not being talked about. Uh, Peter uh, uh, Neal of Ocean Observatory Radio doesn't even talk about it. I'm, I'm shocked that he doesn't talk about it. But methane is very important. Um, we have hundreds of thousands of volcanoes under the oceans that are constantly exploding, going off. You know, there's, I hate to say it, but we got to enjoy our moments. There's nothing we can do about it. Nothing. You know, we, this is nothing. Uh, this climate change has happened. It's going to happen again. And we're just here witnessing it. Bye-bye. Thank you, Catherine, um, whether she can hear me or not. And uh, once again, uh, we were doing boat talk this morning, been talking about this, that, and the other. Got to uh, press one more thing with Captain Michael Johnson here about the Sunbeam. You're talking about uh, uh, possibly replacing the vessel. I noticed that a number of Maine's uh, greatest boat builders, let's put it, uh, came and visited you just recently. That was about a year ago. They a, a whole bunch of prominent boat builders came aboard. Jock Williams, the Front Street people, the Wayfarer people, uh, Lyman Morris, I'm thinking, yeah, was a uh, 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 steward, uh, workman, Southwest Boat, uh, like say, interesting bunch of very talented, knowledgeable people. Very humble. Phil Hinckley from the Hinkley, uh, Phil uh, from the Hinkley Company, yeah. Yeah, it was very humbling to, to have that much knowledge in, in one room, and it generated a, a, a multitude of good ideas going forward, and we've even replaced our bow thruster as a result of that meeting. That was, that was discussed, and Jock Williams ran with it, and we now have upgraded our bow thruster, which this boat is not the best handling boat I've ever captained. A little high-sided, got a lot of windage, a lot of tight harbors you go into. She's not, tough. Yeah, 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 yeah. Matinicus Harbor, with anything easterly, is is we have eight feet to spare between the main pier and an adjoining dock, and that extra 15-horsepower bow thruster has made it a little 
less challenging for me, and I, I've appreciated it. Now, a little captain talk, you just don't, it's not like a car in a parking spot. You don't just point it in and, and turn the wheel and, and uh, aim in and then put on the brakes. You got, you kind of, you have to plan where you're going to skid, kind of. It's a controlled crash yeah. is what I call yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, always exactly. a little bit sloppy. I'm, I'm glad, uh, glad you agree <laughs> on that, yeah. But you've got to kind of foresee the forces that are acting. They're not always as apparent as you would hope. And, and again, it's a, a experience based on the, a bit of hope, and uh, um, I love being down in Castine Harbor. You see people uh, take off from the town pier, and, and the first thing you hear if they've got a bow thruster, when they realize that the tide is taking them, and they're not going the way they're pointed, and uh, looking at the uh, Pentagoet tugboat in front of them, and, and the classic is uh, when mother has to run up to the front. I've seen this. Mother has to run up to the bow of the boat and fend off the tugboat while daddy uh, screams with his propellers, so, you know, never ends well. Um, wonderful thing for those boat builders to come aboard the boat. And, uh, you know, the question is, what shapes it in? So we pull up the floorboards, and those boys get under it and, and uh, give you the best opinion. So. It was actually quite quite comical because the day before they came aboard, I, I had the first mate. I said uh, his name's Story King. He's from Southwest Harbor, and he's a, a great employee, by the way. But I had him pull the floorboards up to make sure there wasn't something embarrassing down there because I knew the minute those boat builders came on that that was the, in the first thing. The floorboards came up and the flashlights came out and and we had verified that there was the, the, no skeletons in the closet. Yeah, we're, <laughs> we're, not, talk, we're not talking theory. We're, we're being as practical as anybody could be. Yep. And again, uh, best bunch of people for that. We are running out of time for boat talk this morning. Um, I'd like to thank Captain Michael Johnson for coming in and, and co-hosting and co-guesting with uh, Alan Sprague stuck in a blizzard in New Jersey. Um, Got to mention uh, two other things real quick. Uh, bo- uh, boat books. Uh, read one just recently. Um, absolutely blew me away. Of course, we have interviewed uh, more than a couple of times now our friend Steve Callahan, who survived 76 days in a life raft. That was and a good book. Wrote a book about it called Adrift. There is a brand-new book out called 438 Days, Jonathan Franklin. It is the story of Salvador Alvarenga, a uh, Sa- uh, Salvadoran who uh, was an illegal alien shark fisherman on the coast of Mexico, and they went out in an open boat, and their outboard got messed up. He was with a buddy. 438 days later, he washed up in the Marshall Islands alone. Wow. His buddy died because he lost his will to live. They had enough to live on. By the time he landed, he had food in storage. He had turtles and and broken-winged birds. He had an ecosystem. He was collecting water. He couldn't walk or talk. But he was uh, fairly well-fed at the time. His buddy could have survived, but his buddy would not um, go with with what needed to be done. Salvador Alvarenga was a hard liver. Even when he was on shore, he ate raw crabs just to get by. So quite a story. for him to eat turtle blood, drink turtle blood was and fish eyes was nothing, but the other guy wasn't doing it, and he died. So anyway, highly, highly recommended. Yep. Boat talk, I guess we're being piped out. Want to thank you for staying tuned. Music uh, coming up on the wing for the rest of the day. Back to uh, information and stuff. Four to six this afternoon, and uh, the whole WER thing, ERU thing coming. You snowed in, try and dig it. Thanks for listening.
This is Community Radio, WERU-FM, 89.9 Blue Hill and 99.9 in Bangor. It is time now for our required weekly test of the emergency alert system. This is Just a Test.